This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. How many have ever been on the Maid of the Mist? Right? How many were forced to go on the Maid of the Mist? Okay. Right? How many thought they were okay when they took off from shore and then when they started getting closer to Niagara Falls, they were starting to second-guess their decision? How many realize that those little things they give you to keep you uh, dry don't work? I want to drop a thought on you this morning that I've been kind of brewing over over the last couple of days. I remember years ago going on the Maid of the Mist for the first time and being a little nervous, being a little apprehensive. And then a couple of the workers that worked on the boat basically said, listen, even if our engine fails, it's okay because the natural currents of Niagara Falls will push us away. I was like, you sure? They went, yeah, absolutely. And as I was thinking about Niagara Falls this week, And I was thinking about last Sunday and the Sunday before, thinking about God's love being poured in. If you are allowing God's love to be poured in like Niagara Falls, then the enemy can't even get close. Because it naturally pushes the enemy away. But I want you to understand this morning, if we make a choice to hardened our hearts and get cold hearts towards God and towards those around us. There is every once in a while in the history of Niagara Falls where it freezes over and the flow no longer happens. So I want you to understand today, do everything you can to make sure that there's nothing hindering the flow of the love of God in your life. Because if you can do that, no matter what difficulties you're going through, just keep it given over to God. Even if you're struggling with something, give it over to God. And keep allowing the love of the Father to keep being poured in. Because what it's going to naturally do is keep fear at bay. If love's being poured in, fear has no room. I love this series. I don't know about you guys, but I've been enjoying myself. And... uh, I honestly am an incredibly simple person when it comes to believing what God says. God loves you. <laughs> you say, yeah, yeah, I know that, Pastor. No, no, no. God really, really loves you. You know what I've realized about the nature of God? Is that He is love. He doesn't do love, He is love. He doesn't love, he is love. So the very nature of God is love. What he gives away and what flows through him, what, you, what he is literally a conduit of is that perfect, amazing, pure, holy love. I want to read a, a quote by a man by the name of John Newton for those that have maybe studied a little bit about William Wilberforce and some of the, the uh, anti-slavery movement in Great Britain 200 years ago. You, this name will ring true for you. If you've never heard of that, then how many have ever heard of the song Amazing Grace? This is the author. And he says this, if the Lord be with us, we have no cause of fear. 
His eye is upon us. His arm is over us. His ear up open to our prayer. His grace sufficient. His promise unchangeable. That is the love of the Father that is being poured into you right now. It is unchangeable. It is open to your prayer. His eye is upon you. His arm is around you. That is the love of God this morning. I honestly have been processing through this thought all week and I want you to know that at its very simple core, that the entire goal of the enemy is to disconnect you from the simplicity that God loves you. That he's not angry with you, that he's not disappointed in you, that he is not turning a blind eye to you, but he is in pursuit of you every single day of your life. And if you know that this morning, you got to just kind of come to grips with the fact that it doesn't matter where you've been, where you are, no matter how far you want to walk away from God, He always shows up where you end up. He just does. It's because He loves you. God's love is unconditional. God's love is without limit. God's love is perfect. That is His love. For God so loved the world that He gave. It is a giving, sacrificial love. I want to read from a book in the Old Testament. It's not a book we usually read from, but it's in Lamentations. It's from the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 3, verses 22 to 23, and it says this, the Lord's unfailing love and mercy still continue, fresh as the morning, as sure as the sunrise. Fresh as the morning, as sure as as the sunrise. That's God's heart for you this morning. So for those that maybe are new here this morning, we've been doing a series called Love Illuminated. We're carrying on with it this week. We've been processing through each chapter and some core sections of each chapter of the book of 1 John. Honestly, one of the greatest books, in the little tiny book, but one of the greatest, most significant books in the Bible about our walk with God and our relationship with God. Um, we started with, the, I kind of started with the thought of doing it in the month of February, but we're just going to keep going. And um, so Pastor Ray, actually I'm excited, she's going to be coming next week and sharing uh, just some thoughts around chapter 5. But I'm going to try to tackle chapter 4 today. And so if you're reading along, you can read chapter 4 this week in 1 John. And I'm going to start verse 9. And it says this, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. So again, start at the beginning. What are we forgiven of? We're forgiven of much. We have a An advocate with Jesus who's died for us. Jesus has given us life. That's what we're to accept. goes on in verse 10. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. When God loves us, he gives his best. So what God wants us to do is to give our best. God's love, I'm going to step on some toes now. Are you ready for this? God's love goes first. You're saying you want me to go to that person and deal with our issues, even though they're the one that hurt me? God's love goes first. So if we are in God's love, we go first. Say, but you don't understand the situation. Trust me, I have my own situations. God's love initiates. 
He's the initiator. We're the responder. If we're acting out the love of the Father, we're the initiator, not just the responder. Amen? He is our example. It goes on in verse 12 down to 17, and I want you to catch a couple of phrases in here, and I'll uh, kind of bring them out as I, as I speak. But it says this in verse 12. If we love one another, God abides in us. Say abides. That was weak. Say abides. Okay, we're going to come back to that in a second. And his love has been perfected. Say perfected. Perfected. Okay, that's good. So if we abide, he'll perfect us. Okay, it's perfected in us. Verse 13, by this we know that we abide. Say abide. Okay, good. We're done, right? There's going to be a test at the end. I'm kidding. Um, And he in us because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God in him. That's right. Okay, this is good. We're getting good. And he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who uh Okay, good. In love, in God, and God in him. Love has been among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. I want to just make mention of a couple of things. God's perfect love, the goal of God's perfect love, is to set us in a solid foundation for us to know our identity, but from the moment our identity is sure, guess what the love of the Father's job is to do? To perfect us. Another word is to mature us. We go, I love this book until you just said that. Up until that point, I was all in. I was enjoying this series. And then you used the word mature. And then you said perfected. And then you said this and that. And I don't like you no more. All right? That's, I'm sure, what some of you are thinking anyhow. Okay. But his perfect love draws us. It matures us. It grows us. That's the goal of the love of the Father. Perfect, growing love comes from abiding. I actually had an incredible conversation with, uh, I think it was Ryan Backus a couple weeks ago. And we were talking about this very word. And we were talking about the, the, kind of the concepts of abiding. What does it mean to abide? And so I, I want you to know that abiding requires participation. And not just participation, it requires active participation. There's got to be an active, intentional participation in your walk with God. The second thing is this. It, abiding speaks about cultivating relationships. Remember, God's love goes first, takes initiative. When you're cultivating relationships, the onus is not on the other person. The onus, because we're in Christ's love, is actually on us. I don't like that. I'm an introvert. It's okay. If God's love is in you, God will find a way to use you even as an introvert to be able to love other people. And to love him. Amen? I want to go back to John's gospel. John chapter 15. And he actually kind of picks apart this whole concept of abiding. And it says this in verse 4 and 5. It says, abide in me and I will abide in you. A branch cannot bear fruit if it is disconnected from the vine. And neither will you if you're not connected to me. 
I am the vine and you are the branches. If you abide in me and I in you, you will bear great fruit and without me you will accomplish nothing. Interestingly enough here, the word uh, abide is the same root word that we would get the word abode. So abode and abide are, are root words of the same word and it's connected. So to abide means to dwell with. To abode means to dwell in. Okay? So to dwell in is abode, to dwell with is abide. And what you have to understand this morning is if your spiritual house, your abode, is filled with Christ because you're abiding, nothing else can come in. It's like that water that's coming down into your life, and it's the love of the Father coming in, and it's pushing every single thing outside of your house. So to abide means Jesus is in your abode. And if he's in your abode, fear cannot abide. Because he can't stay. Because fear and faith are like oil and water. They do not mix. They cannot connect. There's nothing about them that will ever mix together. The problem is with most of us as believers is that we have, let's just say, how many rooms does a normal house have? Say 10. I'm going to say 10 rooms in a house. Eight, eight rooms in a house. Most of us have four rooms dedicated to fear, four rooms dedicated to faith, and two of the unknown variety. Because we haven't made up our minds yet what we're going to do in that room. So I want you to know this morning that if you make up your minds to abide in Christ and let the love of the Father flow into your life like Niagara Falls over and over and over and over and over and over again, fear has no place in your abode. Interestingly enough, Scripture says that us as believers, we are now the spiritual temple of the Holy Spirit. So if the love of the Father is aboding in our temple, then fear cannot stay. It can't. It's impossible. There's no room for fear when the love of the Father is present. Sets us up for verse 18. It says, where God's love is, there is no fear. So when one is present, the other one has to go. So you have to understand, it, this is not an and or. <laughs> this isn't a, well, maybe they can both be together. Nope. Nope. Where God's love is, there is no fear. Because God's perfect love drives out fear. It is punishment that makes a person fear, so love is not made perfect in the person who fears. The Message Bible literally says, there is no room in love for fear. There's no room in your house for fear. I want to just give away probably the devil's number one tactic when it comes to fear. Are you ready for this? Fear doesn't come from God, so it's not going to come from your relationship with God. It's just not. But I'm going to tell you where fear comes from. Fear comes from other people that fear. So when you are in a situation where you are struggling with fear, it actually becomes a homing beacon for other people who are struggling with fear to find you. They find you. I understand it. I lived my life that way. I understand that. I understand that. Man, people started to surround you, and it was the wrong types of people. 
But I want you to have the courage this morning not to not love those people, but to see those people as a ministry, not as a friendship. Friendship may come, but see that as an opportunity for you to be the conduit to pour in the love of God that is being poured into you, into them. That's what's necessary. Because if you look at your three or four or five closest friends in your life, and they're all struggling with fear, I have news for you. You're probably going to struggle with it. And you're going to make room for it. And what I want you to know this morning is don't make room for fear. Don't even give them one room. Don't even give them a closet in your house. Make a decision that every room in your heart, every room in your spiritual life is filled with the love of God. Interestingly enough, when Jesus was about to be born and perfect love was about to come into this world, there was no room for him. They couldn't find room for perfect love. Don't make the same mistake. Don't make the same mistake. Interestingly enough, when he was born, and the very first kind of angelic visitation to the, I believe it was to the the shepherds, it said this in the King James, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. The very first thing he dealt with was fear. Make room for Jesus' perfect love today. If you do, it will cast out fear. Amen? So what in the world is fear? Let's kind of unpack this a little bit so we understand how it works, how it wants to, in a sense, get a hook into your life and and how it functions. Someone said this many, many years ago, that fear in its essence is false evidence appearing real. False evidence appearing real. That's kind of the little acronym that people have used. I think it's good. I don't think it's a, a full definition, but I think it's a good way to start. But the actual word for fear is defined this way. It is a distressing emotion caused by a real or imagined threat that paralyzes you from any good action and causes worry, anger, depression, sickness, and paranoia. I'm going to read it again. Fear is a distressing emotion caused by a real or imagined threat that paralyzes you from any good action and causes worry, anger, depression, sickness, and paranoia. It can take the form of many things. It could be the fear of the unknown, fear of change, fear of rejection. It can be the fear of losing your job. It can be the fear of global conflict, which I know a lot of people are getting worried about today, okay? It can be the fear of disease or sickness or an untimely death. It can be the fear of death itself. Fear can grab you in many, many seasons of life. It's not limited to one situation. It's not limited to really anything. Fear can limit our ability to make wise decisions. That's a natural byproduct of what fear would want to do in our lives. It can overwhelm our faith. And what breaks my heart more than anything, it causes people to shut down. It can paralyze people. It snuffs out hope. It tells people that God doesn't love them anymore. That you're not good enough. That you're never going to make it. But what's interesting about this word fear is it ties into the actual definition, this concept of paralysis. And I've often asked myself, how is it that fear can paralyze people? And then I've realized something. Fear is not an emotion. Fear is a demonic spirit. You have to understand, if you just think of fear as an emotion, then it'll come and go, it'll come and go, and you can find something else to overcome that emotion and think happy thoughts. You know, just do your Peter Pan impression, right? The problem is, is fear is not an emotion. Fear affects your emotions, 
But the root of fear is a demonic spirit. You say, uh-oh, I don't know, pastor's going to talk about, you know, demons. Okay, if you need, if, when, the moment I say demon, as long as you hear Darth Vader, that's okay too. That works, right? If that's how you can feel good about it, I'll just say Darth Vader and all that, and we're good. Boba Fett, whatever else works, right? But you have to understand it is a demonic spirit. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I, I saw this quote. I love this quote. I don't know who wrote it. I couldn't find the author. But it said this, Fear is the dark room where negatives develop. <laughs> wow. Fear is the dark room where negatives develop. Hmm. Fear-filled words are negative. They're unbelieving. They're discouraging. They're deceiving. They're a whole bunch of things, but they are at its root, causing you, hopefully, to be chained to this thing called the spirit of fear. The spirit of fear's goal is to limit you, discourage you, destroy you, and take you away from the hope that you have in Christ. That's what it wants to do. So what does fear do? A couple of things that fear does. Number one, fear magnifies the problem. Fear always magnifies the problem. Magnify is to make something greater in size, status, or importance. The goal of fear is to magnify the problem in your eyes. Fear takes a little, makes it a lot. That's what it wants to do. Okay. Whenever you see um, a pattern in your life where you're starting to magnify the problems in your life and start to leave what is reality and think about all of the what-ifs, then it's actually not an emotional response. It is a spirit of fear that is at work. And what we got to do is say, uh, spirit of fear, I know you're in that room over there, but you do not have access to my house anymore. I'm going to go abide in Christ so that my abode is filled with the love of God. Okay? Psalm 34 3 says this, O magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. What do we do as a response? Well, we magnify him. Whenever fear comes, we magnify God. Right? Hopelessness, despondency, feeling are all connected to that spirit of fear. But the moment it comes, we look at, you got to look wherever you got to look at, but look at God and say, God, I'm going to magnify you today because you are greater than anything I'm feeling. You're greater than any circumstance, any situation that I find myself in. The second thing is this. Fear causes us to believe that we are powerless. How many have ever felt that? Come on, let's be honest. How many have ever felt like when you're dealing with these thoughts of fear, these thoughts of worry, these thoughts of anxiety, and you feel powerless to overcome? Again, it's proof that it's not just an emotion, that there's actual a spirit at work. One thing that I've learned in my life is fear changes my perspective changes my perspective. I, I, it frustrates me to no end, to know in one moment that God is on the throne, and the next moment I think that, oh my goodness, Satan must be on the throne. Somehow I can make that jump in literally half a second. But God is coming to help remind you that when we are in faith, we'll have God's perspective. And when we have God's perspective, we can overcome anything. Amen? Fear causes us to distort God's love for us, and in turn, his power to help us into something that either he doesn't want to do or is not interested in doing or doesn't care about us anymore. Somehow we've just convinced of that. Powerlessness is a fear-based life. So, so what does that verse say again? 2 Timothy 1.7. It says, For God has not given us a spirit of, peer, but, uh, of fear, but of power. 
dunamis, power of God, which is where we get the word dynamite from. That's, the, that's literally the power that's working on your behalf. That excites me. We're children of God. We've all been given the power and authority of Christ's name to overcome anything. That's a good word. Thank you, Pastor. Okay, keep going. All right. Three, fear is torment. Fear is torment. Torment means the fear of correction, punishment, or penalty of wrong. It actually speaks to the idea of deprivation. Depriving yourself of peace and of love. It speaks to living in dread about what could happen. But 2 Timothy 1.7 says this, For God, again, has not given us a spirit of love, but of power, or sorry, but of power and of love. Love that overcomes. We've already read this in chapter 2, chapter 3. That it's the love of the Father that will overcome in your life. Amen? Four, this is one thing that has personally spoken to me. Fear paralyzes the soul. Your mind your will, and your emotions. Fear paralyzes your soul. It's what that spirit wants to do. He wants to paralyze your inner world. That's what he wants to do. Joyce Meyer uh, came out with a book, oh, I don't know how many years ago now, probably 20-something years ago now. And to me, I think it was her best book. Um, but it's called The Battlefield of the Mind. And I think every believer needs to, to read it at least once a year. Seriously, at least once a year read it because it is eye-opening as far as what goes on in the process of your mind. I can't even do it justice this morning, but read the book. It's awesome. But it paralyzes you, it imprisons you, and it literally uh, holds you back from the very thing that God has for your life. So fear imprisons, faith liberates. Okay? Fear stops forward momentum or forward movement, faith empowers. We want to walk in faith this morning. So what is fear? Uh, Another quote, it said this, Fear is faith that it won't work out. So you still have faith. It's just the wrong thing, okay? Again, this verse in 2 Timothy 1.7 talks about us having a sound mind. And actually, that word sound mind in the original Greek literally means to be under the control of the Holy Spirit. That's what it means. So we're going to be under control of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what are your thoughts about this situation? Holy Spirit, what are your thoughts about me right now? What are your thoughts about that person that I'm having a hard time to love right now? Give me your thoughts so that I can be in alignment with your mission in this situation. That's God's heart for us. The last thing is this, fear brings bondage. It brings bondage. Romans 8, 15, it says this, you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves or bondage. Instead, you've received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children, and now we call him Abba Father. The Passion Translation says it like this, you have received the spirit of full acceptance. I love that. We've received the spirit of full acceptance. Now, we have to live that out. 2 Timothy 1.6, interesting Verse, this is just before this declaration about the spirit of fear and its effects on your life. But this entire book in 2 Timothy is a pastoral epistle written by Paul to a number of young pastors. In particular, it's written to Timothy, who is the pastor of the church in Ephesus. So whenever you see the book of Ephesians, just know Timothy's the pastor of this church. 
And what Paul, in his fatherly wisdom, basically declares to Timothy is, Timothy, verse 7, because of the spirit of fear being in evidence in your life, and you've given it room in your house. Verse 6 says that the gift of God had grown dormant. Fear paralyzes us from doing the very thing that God's called us to do. But we're, we're in um, breakout uh, mode today. We're going to break out of our chains and out of our prisons this morning. We're breaking out of the fear that the enemies try to keep us in bondage, and we're going to break into the very thing that God has for our life. Why? Because we are allowing the love of the Father to fill every room in our lives. Fear has no place. Perfect love casts out, drives out, expels, banishes, throws out fear. That's all the different versions of that verse. It says to drive out. The Greek word for that literally is the word balo, and it means to pour out, to give over to one's care, uncertain about the result. We are literally giving ourselves over to the care of the one who can set us free. As Jesus pours in, fear has to go. So let's get really real for a second. Okay? Why is it that the flow of the love of the Father starts to slow down or to just kind of go and drop sometimes instead of a gusher like Niagara Falls? Why is that? How could that possibly be? Is he slowing it down? No. Is his desire to pour out his love into our lives in a significant way? Yes. So I want you to understand a very, very simple thought this morning. This isn't too profound. But we have to intentionally deny a place for the devil in our lives and intentionally invite Jesus every day to fill our lives. He says, how does that happen? It's daily. It's daily. How many are grateful when you end a fast? Come on, can I get a witness? (laughs) How many are grateful when the fast is over and everything in the fridge and the cupboards now is open for business? Not everything. I want you to understand that your walk with God is not meant to be a religious, legalistic list of obligations and do's and don'ts. We don't do certain things because of relationship. It's not because of a rule. The rule helps us to understand God's principles, but it's our walk with God that causes us to be motivated to follow it. Can I encourage you with something this morning, something that I have, unfortunately, in my life, stumbled over too many times? A very simple thought. I'm sharing this. I know I've shared this with a bunch of people over the last couple of years, this, even this phrase. And so don't think I'm talking about you. I'm saying this is the phrase that God gave me that I get to share with some of you. But here's what I've learned. The moment I took my foot off the gas pedal, I was in trouble. Because now I'm coasting. 
Now I'm relying on what I got yesterday. Now I'm relying on yesterday's food to help me get through today, and hopefully I'll make it to the next time. Can I just give you just some serious advice from my own life? Don't take your foot off the gas pedal. Keep going. Keep learning. Keep maturing. Keep growing. Keep inputting. Keep receiving the love of the Father. Keep living it out. Keep being on mission. Keep doing what God's called you to do. Don't slow down. Don't stop. Don't even take a break. Don't take a breather. Don't go off the side. Why? Because what often happens is us taking a break becomes us taking a permanent break. Don't take your foot off the gas pedal this morning. Allow the flow of the love of the Father to touch every room, to touch every part of your house. And as you do that, fear has no place this morning. Psalm 27.1, it says this, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? I want to ask a very simple question this morning. What are you intentionally choosing to make room for? What are you making room for in your life? Some of you this morning may not even know what the love of God is. But I can tell you from personal experience of someone who tried to find it in other ways. The love of God is the most pure, holy, incredible, unconditional, limitless, unconquerable love you will ever experience in your life. Trust God when he makes this declaration in Psalm 127, or sorry, Psalm 27 over you. That is his heart on display. If we want to know what the Father's love is like, just think of Jesus on that cross. That was the love of the Father on display. Because that's Jesus representing the love of the Father perfectly. Say, I don't think I deserve that love. That's okay, none of us do. It's all good. We don't. But the moment we take off the lid of limitation and allow the love of the Father to pour in, fear cannot grip your life anymore. Doubt cannot grip your life anymore. Anxiety cannot grip your life anymore. It just can't. It doesn't have a place. Do we believe that this morning? I know I do. I do not because I am perfect with this, but because this is a, a daily, weekly, monthly choice that I have to make because I know where my life would be if I start to let the wrong thing in and take my foot off the gas pedal. I just can't go there. I just won't go there. I want to encourage you, don't go there. Amen? The love of the Father drives out fear. That's my heart for you this morning. Thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our messages from Impact Church. We hope and trust that this message encouraged you. If you want to find out more information about our church, check us out online at www.impactkingston.com.